0: You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. (music) Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. And today is the first day of the new year. 32 shows in a row. We have come to the end of this magnificent experiment. I had the whimsical idea back on December 1st to do a show every single day leading us up to the new year. And it has been simultaneously rejuvenating and exhausting. (laughs) And both of those things can be true at the same time. So what we're going to do today is welcome in the new year by going over what we have discussed in the last 30 days to prepare ourselves for a magnificent year of sobriety and recovery. And for those of you who potentially are finding me on your day one, because you've set this down as your resolution to seek out sobriety, and maybe you're just doing a dry January. Maybe you're actually Really, really committed to this, and it's not just an experiment, but actually a new way of life that you seek to achieve and continue to grow into and beyond what you feel today into a magnificent version of yourself, waiting beyond the detox and the hangovers and the regret. There's so many wonderful things to experience in sobriety and recovery I almost said the best thing about it is the emotions, but honestly, that's probably going to be something to contend with for the rest of your life. <laughs> um emotions are are tough. Um I would like to say something a little bit more pleasant about them, but you know, they can be a magnificent ride when they are desirable and they can be very challenging when they are undesirable. You will go through fits of anger and resentment and shame and guilt and furiosity and fear. And that'll just be towards yourself when you first look in the mirror in the morning. (laughs) It is a wonderful part of the human experience to be able to enjoy our breath, our life, our consciousness, shared moments together. It can also be the single most frustrating aspect of our lives is that we are in control over so little of it. We can control ourselves, hopefully. We can seek to have control over the way that we respond rather than react. We can understand that We can be thankful for somebody doing something for us and grateful that the person even wants to do something for us. We can be grateful for the life that we have achieved to this point in order to have these opportunities. And we can be thankful that our sponsor answered the phone and grateful that they wanted to be a sponsor at all. Uh, When we sign up for Sobriety and Recovery, There's a lot of unknowns. And certainly with the internet and all the meetings and all the different ways that we have to gather information during the contemplation and planning phase of the sobriety-to-recovery journey, we can certainly find out a lot of information. But information is just that, data that we can collect. But until we take action, it's useless. Um, Ask all those self-help books that you've got on your computer in PDF form or on your shelf that you've barely made it a chapter into. Um, You do not learn things through osmosis. You learn things by taking action. And no matter how much you have read about what sobriety and recovery will be like until you're actually in the thick of it going through And seeking to thrive rather than survive in your life and in taking the steps each and every day to plot out a course of action, plan out your days, and then check off those boxes regardless of what your mood is. And if there's one thing that I have gathered about myself over these last coming up on seven years is that I will not allow my mood to change the course of the day that I have planned. Because my mood, my feelings, those are fleeting. And how I feel at 6 a.m. is not going to be how I feel at noon or 4 or any other time. It's, a, it's going to change. It's going to evolve. It's going to shapeshift throughout. And what I might be feeling today may be confusion, frustration, overwhelm. My general belief around that is, is in a few days, will I really remember how I was feeling at noon? But if I'm seeking to collect many, many, many days of getting 10,000 steps or going to the gym or having a thoughtful conversation with someone I love or saving $50, whatever my goal might be, not not drinking, not doing drugs, I may not remember what my mood was like Monday at noon, but I'll certainly know come Thursday at 6 p.m. whether I'm counting day two or counting day fill in the blank. This is why I don't allow my day-to-day moods to divert me away from the plans that I have because the daily activities is going to be what grows me towards who I choose to be. And again, realizing that I don't have nearly as much control over the path of my life as I would hope, desire, wish upon a star, (laughs) it doesn't mean that I don't keep pushing forward. The farmer in, you know, Twelve eighteen or fourteen thirty three or seventeen seventy six didn't necessarily have as much control over their life as they thought. Yeah, they may have been self sufficient. They may have been doing all their own crops and tending to their cattle and their their flocks and all that jazz. But they don't control the weather. Back in the day, they couldn't control whether a bunch of you know vagabonds rolled up on horses with swords of steel and took down their whole village. They really just were one of those plastic bags in the wind from like the movie American Beauty, just sort of doing their best to maintain, hoping that something insane didn't just show up and completely throw everything out of whack. We're still living very much in a society that has very little control. And now with the advent of these, you know, supercomputers that we're carrying around in our pocket, it can even go more off the rails at times. So what are you seeking for yourself? You're seeking for that moment by moment self-control over how you respond rather than react. You're seeking this self-awareness around your behaviors. And why is it that you're feeling what you're feeling when you feel it? Why do you think what you think when you think it? Why do you say what you say when you say it? Why do you do the actions that you do when you do them? I was introduced to that whole saying by a fellow life coach here in Huntsville, and it stuck. It's like, okay, you're right? You know, that's what I've been talking about for the longest time. CT far. You go back to, I think it's episode off of, uh, back on October 5th, um, episode 229, when I talk about circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. You know, why do you think the way you think when you think it? Why do you feel the way you feel when you feel it? Why do you act the way you act when you act that way? And why do you think you're getting the results you're getting when you get the results that you have? It sounds a bit like a riddle, but it all comes down to that moment by moment self awareness of what are you doing right now? And here's the thing that I've noticed the most whenever I get into the speeches or the presentations at addiction recovery centers is that people are like, you know, why do I have to be thinking about this stuff all the time? Does every single day need to be, you know, me going at my life with, you know, a uh, hammer and a wrench and pliers? And (laughs) am I always building something? And while there's a lot of different answers that you can have for that, and certainly I've given many different answers to that, time is passing whether we like it or not. And not every day has to be you, you know, out there doing a complete overhaul of a certain room in your life. Some days can be self care. Some days can be, you know what, I'm going to lay on the couch and I'm going to rest and I'm going to take a nap and I'm going to watch one of my favorite shows. And we can choose to see that as part of the recovery process. When we start to slip slide melting away from our goals and our intentions, one of the things that will come from that will be sort of this idea that, you know, am I being sloth? Am I being apathetic? Am I procrastinating? And only you can answer that for yourself. If you choose to lay on the couch for self-care today, is that self-care or is this day 32 in a row of spending four hours in the front of the TV from noon to 4 p.m.? I don't know. Is that necessary? Maybe you're working from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., then Taking a nap in the middle of the day is exactly what you should be doing. For anybody on any of these shows or any book to tell you that you must get up at 5 a.m. and put on some running shoes and go out there and wake up the owls as you're, you know, plodding along on the asphalt is foolhardy. It's foolish. It's completely ignoring the fact that we've all got a different way of doing our life. I'm one of these people who likes to stay up till 2 in the morning working, watch a little bit of television, you know, and be in bed hard cut off at 3 a.m., preferably in bed by one thirty, two o'clock at the latest. But I have stayed up till 3, and I will still get my little hunky-dory ass up at 9.30. It's my way of saying, you know what, if you stay up a little bit later, that's one thing, but, you know, no more than seven hours of sleep, and honestly, my brain won't let me sleep longer than seven hours anyways, go to bed at 10, I'd just be up at 5. And I have no interest in being up at 5. I did that for 15 years. Thank you, next. So where I'm going with all this is that a lot of what you're going to want to discover in your sobriety and recovery is how are you going to make it work for you. And it can be a little discombobulating. And there's a lot of different steps involved. And this is where bringing in people who can advise you and coach you, it can be extremely beneficial. It's one of the reasons that I am a recovery coach now going on six years. Why I've developed the website jessimogul.com. Why I go to addiction recovery centers and talk to people in their early stages of recovery. Because I know that I had a lot of questions in those first days, weeks, months. I think I still have questions, but certainly I have a lot more answers than I did at day 117 or 277. And so if getting deeper into your addiction recovery journey is one of your goals for 2024, then I would highly recommend that you go over to jessemogel.com slash ask me, fill out the form for the live coaching. It should be the very top one on the left. And let me know what's going on in your life where would you like some assistance? One of the coolest things about being an addiction recovery coach is having done this with, I think we're well into the three figures now. I'm not going to say 200, but it's if I was going to do an over-under, it'd definitely be around 150. And I've got so many different clients' experiences that I've talked to them through, guided them through, helped them uncover and discover what it is they're seeking that there's really not much that I haven't experienced on this side of the camera. And having gone to therapy now for five years, I certainly know what it's like to be in the chair and have somebody be locked in and seeking to guide me or somebody just giving me unsolicited advice. I tend to go with the former where it's about listening, guiding, helping you uncover what's holding you back. There's so many different unconscious habit loops playing, that having somebody see it from that third-party perspective who isn't someone who's known you forever. Because we can certainly go and ask our friends and family for advice. The issue we have there is that they're going to have biases. They're going to know us from the past, and they're going to be trying to direct their advice towards whom they think that we should be. The best therapists and counselors and recovery and life coaches out there are going to be the ones that ask you the right questions so that you can figure out who you want to be. Because my ultimate goal is that you wake up each and every day embracing the beautiful morning that is waking up sober. If you decide you want to be you know, a garbage man or an astronaut, if you want to be the person who cleans horse stalls, and that's where you're going to find your salvation and your awesomeness, then let's do it. So if there's something that you're thinking about diving in deeper as you move into 2024, go to jessiemogel.com slash me fill out the form, and we'll hop on a call. We'll figure out what we can do, whether it's learning my rapid you know, rejuvenation and recovery system, all based on neurolinguistic programming, or whether it's one-on-one coaching or joining the tribe where you can hang out with members just like you who are ready to talk about this stuff, rock, chalk, Jayhawk, let's do it all up. And one of the cool aspects of stepping into a new year, and if you've been listening to these episodes linearly, then you understand that we passed the baton on January 1st, but we've been in the zone where 2023 ends on February 1st and 2024 began on on December 1st because we're giving one year an opportunity to ramp down while the other one ramps up. And now the baton has been passed and we're closing out on 2023 and we're starting to put our focus on 2024. And whether you're stepping into this new year with some level of sadness or bereavement over the passing year and the holidays, whether you're stepping into accepting yourself as this beautifully flawed human, forgiving yourself, embracing your emotions, understanding that expectations are the leading cause of disappointment. So seek to understand why you behave a certain way, why you say things, like I said seven minutes ago. Why do you say what you say when you say it? Think what you think when you think it. Do what you do when you do it. Feel what you feel when you feel it. Right? We want to have a focus on getting ourselves grounded and not reacting emotionally triggered, but rather responding emotionally grounded. And when you go back to, let's say, the episode I did on December 25th, which is The Seven Powerful Principles to Inspire You Today, Episode 262, one of the cooler aspects of having written that book is that it really solidified The developing a growth mindset, cultivating courage, being decisive, taking action, embracing discipline, exercising flexibility, and embodying tenacity. And it really just, I mean, I've enveloped those in my entirety of life. And I can assure you, having just recently gotten in an argument with a girlfriend, I do not always behave according to the way I talk about on the show. I am just as flawed as the rest of y'all. I by no means perfect in my humanness. Uh, I don't even know what that would be like, to, other than wildly egotistical <laughs> to think that you're perfect in your humanness. But what we can begin to monitor within ourselves is how we seek to remedy these arguments. And while I still haven't necessarily taken the appropriate steps to remedy the argument, I certainly am in that. That was in not juxtaposition, um, purgatory. Is it purgatory, right? It's sort of like where you're just sort of trying to figure it out. And what's really interesting about getting into an argument with someone that you love, whether it be your partner or whether it be a family member, is that generally for me, and this is a me thing, so maybe you hear some of yourself in this statement and maybe you don't. When I'm... Getting angry at somebody else, it generally has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with me. Frustrations with myself, frustrations with my own behavior, frustrations with the um, responses or reactions, frustration definitely with the results of my decisions, and generally it's just somebody else is in the room that I feel comfortable enough yelling toward, but really... It's just because I would feel more ridiculous yelling at myself in a mirror. But certainly, whenever my voice gets raised, it's very little to do with the other person. It has so much to do with me. And that's going to be something for you to monitor in yourself, too, as you begin to really embrace 2024 and seek to find your higher self. And perhaps you're just building upon the current higher self that you already have, which is great. I mean, we all are in a way. If you go back to all the times I've talked about your McMansion, of life being built upon your spheres and your pillars, the spheres being career, self-relationships, and the pillars being physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, that makes up 12 rooms. And right, because each sphere has the same four pillars. And your McMansion of life is inside your head. Everything that you create in your life is inside your head your actions and behaviors might be inspired or triggered or facilitated by what's going on inside your head. But absolutely positively, the life that you're leading, the world you think you're living in is all inside your head. And one person might think that what's going on in your life is a dreamboat. The love boat, I don't know the rest of the words, just the tune, right? They might think it is the coolest cruise ship ever, and you might think it is miserable and sinking to the bottom of a cold, dark, deep ocean. It's all subjective to perspective. One person's I never want to see you again is another person's I've been looking for you everywhere. One person's, you know, trash is another man's treasure philosophy, And as we begin to look back at all these episodes that we did, and whether you want to go back over the Recognize, Evaluate, and Correct episode, uh, number 265, where we want to recognize what we're thinking, feeling, or how we're acting, our results. We want to evaluate what we got from them, and then we want to seek to correct right, getting ourselves back on the desired path. Having that self-awareness. To even want to recognize why you did something and evaluating what it is you could have done differently and then seeking to correct it. Realizing that we don't have the DeLorean, so we don't get to go back and change what we've done. We just set out an intention to behave differently the next time. And when it's interesting, whenever I went through the four agreements, I was talking to, oh, by the way, for those of you who are following linearly, linearly, the truck driver, I said he, uh, he was from. West Virginia yesterday, Richmond, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. So well, now I can say Richmond or I can say Virginia, but now I can knowingly stop saying West Virginia. So, <laughs> And I'm not really sure how much of Virginia and West Virginia don't get along uh, to this day, but I know they didn't get along at some point because they once were one state and now they're two states. Um, Interestingly enough, uh, he shared that. And one of the things me and uh, Richmond were talking about the other day was the four agreements, right? And seeking each and every day to show up as the best version of yourself and be impeccable with your words, not taking things personally, not making assumptions, and choosing each and every day to show up as the best version of yourself. That's where I got tenacity from in my seven powerful principles was was through the readings of Don Miguel Ruiz's The Four Agreements. And I was like, that's it. Tenacity. Each and every day, seek to show up as the best version of yourself. Head hits the pillow. Just being a little bit better than we were the day before. And one of the coolest things that I want to leave you with as we wrap up the episode every day experiment is... When I was telling you originally that are you interested, or are you committed, and you're so bright in your sobriety and recovery, and this is what we talked about yesterday on New Year's Eve, there's a huge difference. And obviously, I, if you heard that episode, you know that I referenced that chicken and the pig uh, story. And I'd heard it before the 12-week year had laid it out to me. But certainly, it was cool the way that the 12-week year brought it up it was this idea that the egg comes from the chicken. The bacon comes from the pig. One has to die for breakfast. The other one just gets to lay an egg. What are you willing to sacrifice in your life in order to achieve sobriety and recovery? Is it self-loathing, internal hatred, negative self-talk? Is it not speaking your truth, not being vulnerable in front of people? Is it being confused, overwhelmed, frustrated, and not celebrating that and rather than beating yourself up? Is it not going to meetings? Is it going to meetings? Is it getting a sponsor? Is it getting a recovery coach? Is it getting someone in your life who will shoot it to you straight? See, a lot of people say, man, I'd do anything to be a millionaire. I'd do anything to be sober. You know, one of my funny ways to respond to that whenever, you know, I meet someone and they are talking like, oh, I'd do anything to be sober. I'm like, awesome. Here's a hammer. I want you to start smashing your hand just over and over and over again until I tell you to stop. Well, I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. Well, then, I mean, what if I told you if you kept smashing your hand, eventually you would just be sober? Well, I'm not doing that. That's ridiculous. How do you guarantee it's going to make me sober? There is no guarantees. Any more than smashing your hand with a hammer is going to make you stop drinking. But yet for years, we kept metaphorically smashing our lives up with a sledgehammer, expecting that magically one day the alcohol and the drugs were going to be the solution instead of the problem they became. There is infinite ways to get you to a year. Hell, there's an infinite ways to get you to one day. The question you have to ask yourself is, are you absolutely committed to this? If you had to call up your best friend and say I'm sorry I can't hang out with you for a little bit. We used to be drinking buddies and I'm trying not to drink anymore and you still want to drink and when I'm around you I feel compelled to drink and I just need some space to, you know, get myself on the right track and you know, I'd love to get back with you later on. And they might have vitriol and anger and a lot of that just like I said earlier when I'm yelling at someone else it has nothing to do with them and it has everything to do with me. If somebody wants to attack you and be angry because you want to step away from the relationship while you get your sobriety and recovery on track, there's projection going on in their lives in that moment. You might have them thinking that they should be worried about this stuff. You might have them thinking, like, well, man, if that person thinks they need help, does that mean I have help? You have no idea what's going on. And this is where the Don Miguel Ruiz's fourth agreement uh, would be the third agreement, don't make assumptions. Unless you ask them why, and even when you ask somebody why, you're still getting it run through their filter. They may not really understand the why. They might be angry that you're stepping away and say it's because, oh, you think I'm only fun for drinking and blah, 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 blah. But it could be childhood abandonment issues that they're going through from when they were six years old. That now it's being projected on you because they feel like you're abandoning them because you want to step back and get your life in order. Even if they were to answer, why are you so angry about this right now? Because you're leaving and you're selfish and all this other stuff. Right? Unless you know the right questions to ask and they're in the mood to being vulnerable in the moment, they may have no idea that they're lashing out at you because they've got some issues that are still unhealed from their childhood. Understand that everybody's doing the best they can with the resources they have. Just like you are. And there's no unresourceful people. There's only unresourceful emotional states. You know, when you have been frantic and upset and angry, how resourceful are you really to solving a problem? But the prefrontal cortex gets in, you get calmed down, your heart rate gets back down to that, you know, 40, 50, 60 range where most people's resting heart rate is. And all of a sudden, solutions just seem to be falling out of the sky like raindrops during the rainy season in Costa Rica when a monsoon's coming that way. Yeah, I just did that. I have no idea where that metaphor came from. I just think it's imperative that we step into this opportunity of a new year with a vigor, an urgency, a desire to overcome. Allow emotions to cascade cascade over us, like the deluge during the monsoon in Costa Rica, realizing that the storm doesn't last forever. That eventually the clouds dissipate. The sun is shining. The weather is sweet. Makes you want to move and dance your feet now. I feel blessed to have this opportunity each and every time I flip on the microphone to talk to y'all. I am excited for what 2024 is going to bring. There is some apprehensiveness. There is some concern and worry. And as I work through those emotions and figure out where it's coming from and where it's seated and rooted and all that jazz, it'll be really exciting to share that with you. Every day really is the best day of my life when I wake up sober. And come January 13th of 2024, it will be seven years that I've been able to say that. I'm not going to say every single morning I woke up feeling like it was the best day of my life, but I can assure you that even with seven years under my belt, I absolutely remember what it was like laying in bed, detoxing, sweating through every pore of my body, wishing that my stomach would just get out of my st- <laughs> just be like stomach, just leave my body, please, sweating like in between my toenails, and it was painful, and I don't feel that anymore. Now I feel emotions, which can also have their own differentiation of pain. It's not like wishing your stomach would just come out of your belly, but it's certainly like wishing your heart could just stop sometimes feeling, not stop like dying. But we are a beautiful human being with human experiences. And I don't think you will ever get that far away from your last day that you don't remember what that pain was like. I certainly, after seven years, can very vividly remember what those last few weeks were like. And you can lock that in too. But also, hop on the pink cloud and just decide that it never ends enthusiasm for change in life, it will ebb and flow. It will wane, just like happiness does, just like sadness does. It's all 50-50. It's good, bad, right, wrong, desirable, undesirable. It's all of the above and nothing at all. That's sort of the whimsicalness of life, this cornucopia of emotions that we could experience held just during this show. I probably had you wondering, what the fuck is this guy talking about? And then laugh and then cry and everything in between. Let's just embrace it and let's embrace one another and let's accept each other as the flawed humans that we are, that we all get frustrated and overwhelmed and confused, that we don't know what to do with these emotions. So we we clam up and we become introverted or we want to go out in public and be extremely extroverted. It could be whatever it is. But everybody has their own way of expressing their emotions. And like I talked about during that grief pattern inventory, which, wow, that was a long, that was so many episodes ago. My goodness gracious, that was a lot of episodes ago. When was that? And that was, it's okay to be sad. I think it was right after that. Yeah, it was. It was right after the okay to be sad episode. So two fifty six was the grief pattern inventory. I talked about it a little bit more in two fifty seven and then if you just want to understand that it's okay to be sad, then you can go back to two fifty five and listen to that one. But when we discussed the grief pattern inventory, we talked about how there are going to be those people who are prone to intuitive and they want to they want to feel it deeply and they are going to express it externally and then there's those people that are um, instrumental and that they're going to be more apt to uh, want to think through it and have that be the process by which they heal themselves, and they're going to want actions and things. And you may have seen somebody like that, you know, in uh, at a funeral where one person seems super calm, and you're almost like, uh, "You're a robot. Why aren't you feeling more into this?" And somebody else is wailing on the floor. Uh, that's just two different ways to experience an emotion. And my theory is that they all are experienced. Sort of like this. You've seen somebody, you know, where they like win an award and they just sort of wave their hand a little bit and look up bashfully. That doesn't make them any less excited for the fact that they're receiving the award than the person who jumps up like they just got called down to The Price is Right. <laughs> You're the next contestant, Jesse. The Price is Right. Oh, my God. you right. You ever seen that game show? People lose their freaking minds to bet, you know, to to bet on the price of a refrigerator and then to get it to go up there and play Plinko and then get to roll a big ass wheel where if they go over a dollar they wah, 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 go home. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I don't know what they pump into that auditorium but those people are super excited. Yeah, But then you've also seen a few, a lot of people are really generally excited, but you've seen that person who come on down. And they just sort of like, you know, they're doing a little trot and they're smiling, but they're not like that person who just went berserko and sprinted down and is jumping up and they're out of breath. Like people have different ways of experiencing emotion. Some people are going to feel it very deeply on the inside and then externalize it as deeply. And other people are going to feel it deeply on the inside and then just Sort of be calm about it. Let's embrace everything about one another. Let's accept us all. Let's be humans. Let's stop screaming at each other. If nothing else, I really feel like we may not necessarily scream at each other in normal day-to-day life externally like they do on TV. But on TV, these people are getting paid to show up and disagree with each other, right? You ever watch CNN, MSNBC, Fox, whatever news channels are popular nowadays? Um, because I've tuned them all out, because they just fill my head with lies and propaganda. But it's like, they just want to argue. And I don't think we're actually doing that in our outward world, the way they do it on the television. But I think the arguing is happening inside of our head. I think that's where we're being nasty towards one another, by having negative thoughts, um, undesirable feelings. And whether we want to think that what's happening internally is being perceived and experienced externally by others, part of it is there's an energy about us. And certainly as people who have worked our way through addiction for as long as we have, we know what it's like to be the side-eyed recipient. We know what it's like to be ostracized. We know what it's like to do something in front of somebody and feel pretty certain they're talking a whole lot of shit in their heads about us in that moment. So let's just be the opposite of that. Let's be the antithesis of the change we want to see in the world. Let's spark that. Let's throw out all the awesome cliches that you've heard, right? It's always darkest before the dawn. The smile comes after the frown. That one I made up and it sucked the moment I said it. (laughs) I'm going to leave you on that. Let's just accept one another. And when we are inside of our heads talking some mad crap about someone, let's just realize that we're doing it. Let's, let's, let's actually be able to recognize it, evaluate it, and then c- correct it. Life is a series of behaviors. A lot of them we will end up looking back on and wondering, why the hell did I do it that way? But hindsight's twenty twenty. Everything looks differently after the experience. So let's just choose to step into our lives with a positive, determined, contentment, but yet urgency to overcome that which we believe has held us back, to seek to find the joy, the rejuvenation, and the recovery, to be elated when the sun comes up and a hummingbird's, you know, Drinking from a flower next to us. Let's be okay when it rains on our parade or the picnic. Every day really will be forever better sober than it will be on my best day drinking. Because at least I'm feeling into me. And there is absolutely nobody else I would rather be. Inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober. If you are not quite sure that that's how you feel and you want to step into uh, some recovery coaching to get things back in order. I use some amazing techniques. I have been working with clients for over six years to guide them through into and uncover and discover and journey on to the peak of their accomplishments through the thickness of the forest of their desperation and despair. The life you seek is just one step away. It's just a matter of you being willing to take it. As always, as always, the power, positive energy, release, and flow. I'm going to say it one more time. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober. Shout out to Sunshine and Robert. Glow on. See you next week. I know. Next week. A whole week you have to wait for an episode. Thanks for being along the the ride of 32 episodes in a row. It was a pleasure. Happy New Year. Here's to the best year yet, my friends. See you next week. Bye-bye.